Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Dr. Deb Meshik on the line. Deb, how are you? I am doing really well. It's a pleasure to be here, Mike. It's great to have you here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because uh, you've got a great book and you've done some amazing work. So why don't you do a little bit of an introduction for the audience and we'll dive into this conversation. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm Deb Mashek. I'm a social psychologist and I'm on a mission to make collaboration in the workplace less painful and more productive. And so I, I come at this as a close relationships expert and apply what we know about the theories around how to build amazing relationships, how to apply those in the relation or in, in the workplace so that our collaborations can move along in a more productive sort of way, but also with less headache and heartache. And so we can really come together and solve the world's most challenging problems, innovate the things that we don't even know we need yet, and do it together in ways that are more magnificent than what any one of us could have possibly achieved alone. I love the work and collaboration is so critically important because we don't move big mountains if it's just one of us. We have to have a team of us working together in collaboration, utilizing our strengths and our observations to move things forward. And I've seen some great work. It reminds me of an interview that I did a while ago with uh, the former conductor of the New New York Philharmonic Orchestra. And he's a leadership consultant now. And what he does is he brings a small orchestra with him and does leadership consulting. And that sounds cool. It is. It's really, really cool. And what he does is, you know, he has the orchestra set up a small pit and he has the employees sit in the in the pit of the organization that he's working with. And of course, you know, at the beginning, you know, the orchestra sounds like a third grade band. And eventually they, not to knock a third grade band, but, you know, they're not the greatest musicians in the world. Okay. But ultimately what happens is they finally get everything together in harmony and it sounds really good. And then what he does is he starts uh, bringing up employees up to the podium where Roger Nirenberg, who's the, uh, the conductor, uh, will have the orchestra start playing again. And everybody is absolutely blown away because it sounds so different from the conductor's spot that it did in the pit. Oh, interesting. Right. And it's... Vantage that, point matters. Exactly. And the collaboration, though, of the musicians make the notes work. If they're not collaborating... All it is is a bunch of musical instruments playing and there's no synchronicity. There's nothing there. So a lot lot to be said with the collaboration piece as well. And I am enjoying the metaphor of the music and the idea that there is the, the coordination, the orchestration, the conduction of it. Then also playing with the metaphors of if you drop one instrument out or if you have a piano that you can only play with the white keys or only, you know, something like that, that this idea of what we can create together, whether it's with the instruments or with the entire capacity of an instrument becomes especially rich and promising and interesting to engage as a, as one who consumes that product, but also, you know, in the case of the workplace, we're, we're very much creators as well. 
Absolutely. So collaboration, why is this so critically important? I know, but I, I just want to remind the audience, you know, why is this so important? Why is it such a struggle for people? And you kind of hit it at it before because it's a, there's a relationship yeah. component to it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Right. So the, the first, well, maybe we should even start with this whole idea of what the heck is collaboration. It's one of those words that I think we throw around culturally, especially in the corporate workplace where it just ends up being this buzzword, something that you should see on your, your letterhead as a value as opposed to what, what you, have we ever really unpacked what this word is. And if we start at the vantage point that collaboration is two or more people working together intentionally to achieve some sort of shared goals, you know, or advancing something. Sure, that, that's part of it, but there are a lot of different ways that the together work, the co-labor can truly unfold. So it might be as simple as exchanging information. It might be a little bit more complex where not only are we exchanging information, but now we're adjusting our activities in pursuit of some shared goal. Eventually, we get to the point where we're truly sharing resources, whether that's skill sets, data sets, money, time, instruments, and then you can take uh, even a further step up where we're doing all of those things and we're, we're truly learning from each other in a way that enhances each other's capacity. So that that's how I think about what collaboration is in terms of why is it important. The business case is pretty straightforward. It's when you've got people, tools, and processes working together well, you get clear timelines, things clip along the way they're supposed to. You end up with robust bottom lines because you're you're innovating better. You're creating solutions faster. You're getting th- th- you know whatever it is you're creating out there to the market more quickly so people can buy it. You have happier customers. So there's all sorts of business cases for collaboration. Uh, also of interest to me is thinking about what is the case for your individual contributors, for your employees, your teams, your staff? Why is good collaboration good for them? And we know from my workplace collaboration study that those people who are in high quality collaborative relationships are happier with their job. They're not looking for another job. In other words, uh, there's another business interest here in terms of your turnover, uh, but they're also less depressed and less anxious because when relationships are going south, whether those are our personal relationships or our workplace relationships, we carry that with us and it takes our ability to be fully present, to feel fully engaged, to feel valued and so on. So that, that gives a sense of what collaboration is and why it matters in terms of why it's hard. I think, again, I'm biased as a relationships researcher. But one of the reasons it's hard is because other people are involved and people are messy, we're inconsistent, we're unreliable. Um, and so yeah, collaboration first and foremost is about those other people and about being able to be present with them and to make amazing thing, things happen together. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's hard. I think another one is because we're social creatures, there seems to be this assumption out there you're either good at relationships or you're bad at relationships. And as a result, we just don't teach people how to do this stuff. I mean, I don't know if you're a parent or not, but we don't teach people really how to be parents either. We don't teach people how to be friends. We don't teach people how to be good marital partners. Uh, instead, you might do like, say, one or a couple uh, sessions of premarital therapy, or you might go to labor and delivery classes, but that's not really teaching anybody what it's like to be a good spouse or what it's like to be a good parent. Likewise, we might teach something like some basic communication skills, 
uh, or some basic time management or basic project management to people, but that's not what it means to be a good collaborator. So I think we're missing the boat. Um, in, in that data collection I did, three out of every 10 people, these were, it was a sample of 1,100 people, all of whom were employed full-time in the United States. Three out of every 10 said that their workplaces offered zero professional development and how to do this collaboration thing well, which means your businesses, dear business leaders, we're leaving a heck of a lot of potential on the table in terms of those business interests for collaboration in terms of what we could be doing, I think should be doing for our, our employees in terms of equipping them with the habits of heart and mind that are essential for doing this collaboration thing really well. Sorry, I just realized I like... I'm just going to yammer because there were three questions there. So I'm going to answer uh, all of them all at there once. You, there you go. No, we can pick apart each of them. But, you know, a thing that came to mind just in that three out of 10 stat is it's just like a visualization of, okay, you're going to have these parts and they're, they will work together if you put them together right. But if you don't know how to put them together right, then you're using duct tape or something else, Elmer's glue, whatever, to kind of cobble it together. And yeah, it kicks things out, but it's not effective. It's not efficient. The quality is eh, hit or miss sometimes. And you're wondering why things are not working right. It's like get things to work together and if and teach them how to work together. There's so many examples that you mentioned about you know, we don't teach people things like they should have taught me, you know, when my first child was born, that bringing in peanut butter M&Ms while the wife is in labor was probably not the smartest decision on my part. And I'll leave it at that. But uh, it's they don't teach you those things. So go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, too, I think one of the challenges is that the people who are really, really good at collaboration aren't necessarily able to look and say, why am I really, really good? What am I doing specifically that becomes uh, replicable um, by others? That's one of the challenges. And I think we also have just like three out of the 10 people haven't received any professional development and how to collaborate. Well, that also means your managers, your directors, your you know people at the more senior level, it's unlikely they have received uh, information either on how to do this well. So you kind of have the situation where people are feeling their way through this really dark spark in the sense of it's a black box. People don't necessarily know what's going on, which makes it difficult to uh, to create uh, you know the the lessons as it were around how to do this well. And so that's that's where my lens as a social psychologist has been incredibly beneficial, where I can you know. We could talk about that a little bit if you wanted to, about how how I actually reconstruct it and, and make it more navigable for more people. I think that would be great because, again, we're all humans. And and I want to, before I forget, I want to put a little placeholder here. Yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts about what the pandemic has done to collaboration. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. But, you know, talk about the, um, your, your, your pinnacle work that you've done and how it is applying to this now. And then we'll, we'll circle back to that pandemic related question. Okay. I, I'm actually going to suggest we do it the, the other way, just because there's a, a connection that, yeah. Okay. okay so I'm going to, I'm going to redirect. And here, here's the hot take. So the principles that underlie effective collaboration when you're in person are the exact same principles that underlie effective collaboration when you're remote or when you're hybrid. 
how you bring those principles to life may differ. Here's a little, here's a little story, a little metaphor, because if you, you've probably already noticed, I love a good metaphor. Um, imagine you're out late one night hanging out with friends. It's 2 a.m. And all of a sudden the bartender is like closing time and those fluorescent lights look on. And first of all, it's a little jarring. It's like, oh, my eyes have to adjust. But then you start to look around and you see that, wow, this bar is actually really disgusting. There's some layer of weird sticky goo all over the bar. Maybe the frames hanging up across over the cash register have like an inch of dust on them. There's some dude passed out in the corner. Those things were there all along. Nothing about the bar environment has changed. The only thing that has changed is your ability to see it because the light has been turned on. I think that's what happened in March 2020, where when we had, you know, a lot of us were at collaborations that were not healthy, that we were overly reliant on physical proximity to paper over some of the bad habits around accountability, around follow through, around co-creating our, our shared understanding of what it is we're trying to do in the first place around just communication and touching base and all, all these really basic behaviors. And so that transition from in-person to remote, for a lot of us, it was our first time having to, to do that. And all of a sudden we realized like, wow, we've got some really bad habits here that we need to unwind. Okay. So I say the principles are the same. What the heck are those principles? As a social psychologist, my lens is to look at behavior. And in this case, we're looking for collaborative behaviors. And Kurt Lewin, who's the father of social psychology, famously said that any behavior that you want is a function of the person and the environment they're in. And so what I do when I'm working with organizations is take a look at, well, who are the people that you have present with you? So what are their skill sets around collaboration? That's important. Equally important, what are their mindsets? Do they actually value collaboration? Do they see collaboration as something that they need to do or that they want to do or that it helps them be better at their work? Are, do you, are you uh, with a bunch of people who, by virtue of negative experiences, walking around with a lot of burn marks around collaboration, they don't trust other people for really good reason because other people have burned them. Like, why, why would you trust in that situation? That's important. So who are your people? Then, really cool, you can start looking at these kind of layers of the onion, create the environment for collaboration to happen. One layer of the environment, which the book Collaborate is all about, is this interpersonal layer. So how is my relationship with you, Mike, as my other collaborator? Do I trust you? Do I value you? Do we have a high quality relationship? To what extent am I are my outcomes connected to your behaviors for good or for bad? So are we going to sink or swim as a team? Things like that. The next layer you can look at in an organization is what are the, the tools and processes in place to actually enable collaboration? This is fascinating, I think, because when you talk to a lot of project managers, for instance, they're, they're exquisite at thinking about processes and tools and are not necessarily receiving uh, training or background in the relationship piece or in the next piece, which we'll talk about, which is, um, so, so back to tools and processes for a second. So thinking through things like, how do we decide what we're going to do? How do we actually document what we're going to do and figure out, are we on the same page? Do we take the time to really define the problem before we start jumping into solutions? And how, how is that process orchestrated to go back to your conductor metaphor? And then 
the third layer of the onion, the third layer of the environment I like to think about is organizational culture. And we talk a lot about culture, culture change. It's, you know, like rah, rah, let, let's have a good culture, but it's actually pretty tough not to crack because it's such a complex system of people, of processes, of environment, of, of infrastructure. And so there's this great paper by Brian Nozak um, where, where they were talking about culture change within the, in, how, in terms of how social science is done. And I fell in love with this model. And what it says is that if you want a behavior, in this case, collaboration, you need to think in terms of five things. Is collaboration possible in this environment? Is it easy? Is it normative? In other words, is everybody doing it? Is it rewarding? And ultimately, if you have to, you can make it required. And so having those five questions in mind, you can do really cool things like looking at does the infrastructure of an organization actually make it easy? Do the interfaces and the tools at present make it easy? Or does it make it possible? Does it make it easy? Um, are we creating communities or where we're actually celebrating and normalizing this collaboration thing? This idea of is it rewarding? Super important because if you say you value collaboration, but really the only thing you're incentivizing is competition and individual behavior, you're going to get more competition and individual behavior. So those, you know, so what I do with my social psychology lens is come in and it's all about this, this broader ecosystem, looking at all of those pieces and parts, how they're moving together, diagnosing, you know, with instruments, like actually measuring all of those things and seeing how we're doing. So I, uh, I don't know. I feel like I just yammered on again, something about this mic. I just keep talking it's natural and it, it helps for good interviews because I've interviewed people, I'm not going to name them where they gave like literally eight minute radio segment answers. And I was like, after five minutes, I'm like, Oh boy, what are we going to do here? So no, I, I appreciate uh, the detail because it's enlightening to kind of, uh, and you said this earlier, you know, we're messy. And what happens is when we, look at things through a different lens and like, okay, let's, we want to collaborate. Okay, great. What does that look like? Actually go a few levels deep instead of, you know, we're going to improve the culture here. Okay. How, what, what is the culture? You know, that that's one of the first questions. Okay. What's the current culture? And you may ask 10 people and you may get 10 different answers You're like, okay. All right. Well, we got some work here. Good. You know, I'll be able to build this company accordingly because there's a lot to do here, but it's, it's all good. It's again, because happy, healthy organization benefit everybody. And that's, you know, why we do the work that we do is we want organizations to be better and healthier and create better products and services because we benefit from that. So, you know, that, Can I that just share it, a quick story there of course. around this you interview 10 people. I was in the room with clients last week and was interviewing individual contributors. And just very recently, the um, higher ups had deemed collaboration, one of the North stars, like we're all going to be collaborating. So for each of these ICs, I asked, Tell me what that means to you. All three of them rolled their eyes and said, that is total BS. Um, it's that's in word only, you know, nothing other than people saying rah, rah, collaboration is great. There's nothing about our culture that's collaborative, which I think is an important point about this disconnect between what your people are feeling on the ground and what they're experiencing and whether or not they're able to get their work done may or may not line up with what you think could be happening, should be happening, or is happening as a leader. 
And if you go and ask them, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Because the risk is really high if they tell you what's really going on. Because, you know, shameless self-promotion, one of the benefits of bringing in an external person to ask those hard questions and do it in a way that's based on solid rapport building with the people to get to, to be able to hear what's really going on so that you don't have a, what I call a dysfunction awareness problem where you think the roof is fine until it starts leaking or you think you're healthy until you get the scary diagnosis. Likewise, you think collaboration is fine, but it's not. You have to know what, you know which leading indicators to, to look at so you can actually things pull in, in a better direction. It's kind of like the mission, vision, and values poster in the boardroom. Everybody looks at it and they laugh and they say, that isn't us. And there's too many organizations, unfortunately, that uh, are are in that. So in the pre-show, you had mentioned you wanted to switch the roles and, and ask me uh, some questions around collaboration. So before we wrap up, I oh, want to open you. that up for you. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I, I'm curious in your world. A, why is collaboration important? So perhaps adding some texture to what I've said. And B, with your heart of hearts, what are the maybe the three thoughts or feelings, the words or feelings that describe how you how you experience collaboration? Uh, for me, collaboration is critical, especially because, and this is something that I learned a long time ago, but even as an entrepreneur, is there are things that I am really good at. And there are some things that I am absolutely atrocious at and I shouldn't do. They should not allow, there should be laws preventing me from doing this kind of you know stuff. And I offload that I'm like because I'm not good at it. And, and, and many entrepreneurs, you know, small business owners, they're like, well, I'll just do it. I'll do it. And it's like, yeah, but you're you're robbing other people from the opportunity of doing that work. And they're really good at that work and they love that work and the quality is going to be better. So when you have a team and everybody's working on things that they're really good at and it's part of the overall product or service that you deliver, every ingredient is top notch. And all of a sudden that product or service is better. And all of a sudden you go, okay, we all work together. And and another thing that I find very important, and I really implore people to do this, is yes, understand what your role is in your company, your organization, really get really crystal clear on what you do, why you do it, what the importance of it and how it connects to everything else in the organization and learn what your peers are doing as well, because it gives you an opportunity for growth. You may find one day, it's like, you know what? I've never done anything in marketing, but I'd love to learn about that. And then you're picking up some skills and you have a better understanding of what the marketing department does. I wish I would have done that earlier in my career. My original career was public accounting and I just made fun of marketing people all the time. Big regret, but at the end of the day, it it worked out well. So that's that's why I think it's important. So the three things, and remind me again exactly the the question on that because I want to make sure I answer it. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Let's do three words or phrases that describe your thoughts or feelings about collaboration. Um, crucial, fulfilling, and exciting. Because when I've been parts of teams and we finish something. And I, I'll use this example again. I used it on an interview earlier today. Uh, I worked for an insurance automation software company back in the 90s. And I was an installer. So I was one of 12 
gentleman that flew around the country and installed insurance systems into independent insurance agencies and trained them on how to do it, you know, their computer networks, the whole everything. So there was this opportunity where we had several installations coming up in New Orleans. Now, normally the 12 of us would fly all over the place, but it happened that there was an opportunity potentially to be able to do all the installs in New Orleans in one week. And management and the senior leadership and the ownership were looking at, you know, a dozen 20 something year olds going to New Orleans and Bourbon Street. And all they were seeing was everything you can imagine going, that's going to be a disaster. We're going to get sued. Those are going to be botched installs. It's going to be horrible. Well, we worked the chain and said, look, you know, we're, we're going to, as a team, we're going to collectively make sure that that doesn't happen because this is an opportunity for the, the entire team to actually go in one city and, and be able to spend time with each other and, and collaborate with each other on some of these installs. So we finally got the approval. So as a collective, the 12 of us went out to dinner a couple of weeks before the install, and we had all the installation information in front of us. So we literally, we're in an olive garden, and we got roll of tables, and we're putting all of these things together, and we're going, okay, how can we get all of these installations done faster but effectively so we don't get in trouble? So we worked it all out, and we see what this is what we're going to do. We're going to grade each of the six installs by size, because most of them were either one installer or maybe two would go to it. So what we did is, like, why don't we take all the small ones, and we all show up at that one. So Monday morning, we arrive. This agency paid for one installer. All of a sudden, 12 people come in. They start freaking out. I only paid for one. We explained to them what we were doing. You got buy-in? Yes, of course. So we did that. We did that with all the installs. What normally would have taken four to four and a half days to do everything, we were done at 2 p.m. on Wednesday. And we weren't supposed to fly back till Friday because we collaborated. We coordinated everything together. We got everything done. We had time to go back to each of those installs. We'd send a couple people, not the whole team again, follow up on training. The number of recommendation letters we got from those installs was off the chart. And statistically, those six agencies had the lowest number of support calls for years afterwards. Incredible. And what and, I love about that story, too, is that no one person thought they had the answer for how you were going to do it. But it really was like, let's spread out at the table here at Olive Garden and figure out how. The other critical element that I hear there is taking the time to get the buy-in, not just from the customer, but you had to work the chain internally to say, you know, say we we know what we're doing. Here are our values in terms of we, we're not going to embarrass you. We understand that you perceive risk. Here are the things that we're going to do to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. And we can't do that overnight. That's incredible. Yeah. And what that did is that was 25 years ago. And I'm still in contact. I'm still in contact with several of those people that I worked with. I haven't worked with them in decades, but you know, we still run into each other from time to time, even though we're in different parts of, of the world. We, we still will you know, touch base and see how things are going. So I know what's going on in a lot of their lives. And, and it's, it was one of those things where when I, and the whole organization heard about it. And we came in afterwards. There was, there was about a month later, we, we were all in the office. 
outside of Chicago. And so all the installers came in for an in-service training and they treated us like royalty. They're like- And that is a classic example of how you celebrate and reward when you see it going well and you hold it up. And the other, you know, you were talking about the example of, you know, making fun of marketing when you are an accounting person and and regretting that. And this idea of when we're on these cross-functional teams, the importance of being deeply curious about others' work. I mean, it could be anything from, I guarantee you're using separate or different jargon. Have you taken the time to explain what you mean when you say the ABC project or the blah, blah, blah interface? keep communication open, but then asking the other person to, what, I apologize. I don't know. Tell me about your work. What does it look like? What do you value? What does an amazing day for you really unfold? What are you worried about with this project we're getting ready to work on? Um, what makes this valuable to you? Why are you here? Why is this worth it to you? What can I do to, what can I do as your collaborator to help you get that experience? can I learn from you? Like, in the, I wish I had been paying attention to, to marketing. Those are all the conversations that help grease the skids, not just for the relationship with that other person to build, but for your ability to, to achieve something miraculous together. And I would also guess there on Bourbon Street, you guys probably got really got to know each other well over that, not just the install, but that planning for the install and seeing like what anxieties were kicking up for one person, figuring out how are we all going to, step in and somehow that the monsters ink movie is in my mind like where all the monsters do the the swagger into the the mm-hmm. slow motion swagger into the theme song and to be able to whatever you all created there to have that moment then when it was an all hands on deck meeting in chicago a little bit later so what a it's such a fabulous story yeah, I'm having flashbacks of we kept missing Ron. Ron was one of the installers. He'd wander off somewhere. And it was one of those things, let's let's kind of stay together. And all of a sudden, okay, we lost Ron again. Ron, Ron, where are yeah. you? And then of course we'd we'd call him and you know, and and this was we had this was cell phones. It wasn't smartphones. We still had cell phones though, and I think we had pagers too. So we tried calling him on his phone, nothing, pager. And finally he'd he'd call us like, Hey guys, where you at? And it was like we'd we'd we'll where, say, are where, you, where are you? It's like there, there's a dozen of us. It's not eleven, there's twelve. Come on, where are you at? Oh, I'm over here. It's okay. So and then he'd do it again like it's like, do we need to get one of those little chain things and, you know, kind of like right, little like kids that. and yeah, or, or lock you up in a chair or something. It's like, quit wandering off or at least tell us you're going somewhere. It's like, yeah. we need to adopt a buddy. It's like, okay, you stay with him. At least you, you can kind of guide us and let us know where Ron went. But no, Ron was an amazing human being for sure. So I've loved this conversation, Deb. Where can people find out more about you and this amazing work you're doing? The easiest way is to go to either debmashek.com or collaborate.com, which is the title of the book. And there you can sign up for my newsletter called One Simple One Simple Tip. And it comes out every two weeks. And it's just like, here's, here's something you can use right now to improve your collaborations. And of course, all my social media handles are on there. I'm on LinkedIn every single day and on TikTok most days. Um, so if you want like little nuggets of, of information, and there's also a huge resource library that I've put together with just tons of available free downloads, whether it's my articles, my podcast, um, tool, just handouts, things that you can use for your collaboration. So go play around on the website and reach out. I love being in conversation with people. Sounds good. I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So thank you again for your time today and and for this critical work you're doing. It's making the world better. So thank you again for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Mike. 
Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.